As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. And with that, I want to start this week's podcast. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1% Better. The Colts, a little better, a lot better probably, but uh, it was the Houston Texans. But nevertheless, they get a 31-3 victory over Houston. And I got to say, I guess this was... Probably their most complete performance of the season, and and obviously the opponent has a lot to do with that. Houston lost his fifth straight, so we're not gonna we're not gonna throw him a parade or anything. But but I think this was this was a nice little pick me up for the Colts coming off of just a gut wrenching loss in Baltimore. I mean that loss was one they will never forget. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So and and certainly Lamar Jackson won't either. But you know this is what you have to do. Okay, it is what it is. It happened. This is what you got to do. And I don't know. I think I think in terms of confidence for a team that has at times played well, but not really gotten a lot of results out of that. I mean, does confidence matter? Do you think? I, I think it matters. I think it matters a little bit, and especially when you've got new pieces coming together like the quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know. I think after one and four, I think a win like this can't hurt. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is more about the Colts than the Texans. It's more about the win than the opponent. Mm-hmm. Now, if they would have slogged through this one in one sixteen to twelve or something like that, then you'd have some serious concerns. But they, you know, they were up ten three at half, and it should have been more. And they absolutely dominated the second half and won twenty one to zero. Three takeaways. The defense gave up a lot of yards and a lot of completions, um, but no touchdowns. That's sort of the blueprint, right? Now, I know everyone out there is probably a little still uneasy about that scheme. I know I am. Um, but I think, you know, if you're looking for bright spots, I'm looking at your story right now on our website and, and Carson Wentz launching that ball down the field. And, and you had it written down. The chunk plays are back. And we haven't seen chunk plays like this in a while. 42, 51, 52, 76, 83. Now, a couple of those were Jonathan Taylor making something out of nothing. But... They took some deep shots yesterday, and and like Frank Reich said, that's what he wants his offense to look like. So in terms of confidence, the fact that you can push the ball down the field and be aggressive and go back to what you were doing in 2018, 
That's the fun part. That's fun football. And they're starting to get their groove in terms of that part of their offense right in the middle of the season with some big games coming up. Yeah, and I think that's really what you're looking for in a game like yesterday's. You want it to be convincing. You want it to be one where where your strengths really show up. I thought there's a couple of things that they've done well on defense this year, and one of them has been produced turnovers. They've done a lot of negative things on, on defense and a lot of things that have caused concern. But the one thing they've done well is cause turnovers. And so that you saw that again on offense. You know, we've seen them kind of you know, getting or becoming, I guess, a team that, that can be explosive. And you saw that, I think, in full display yesterday. So, like, those, like, little examples of, like, okay, we thought they would be a team that could do some of these things, but we haven't seen it on any kind of regular basis. Now you're starting to see it a little more. And the question is, can they do it from week to week to week? Because they're going to have to. Because otherwise, then this is not going to be a season that's worth a damn. But they still have a shot. Look, you're still looking at a team or, or a league, excuse me, where it feels like half the teams are like three and three right now. So, right. I mean, this thing's this and thing ain't including, over. Including Tennessee after tonight. If they lose tonight, they're playing Buffalo. I don't think anybody's right. beating Buffalo right now. You're one game back. With them on yeah. the schedule in a couple of weeks. So all is not lost. Yeah. So look, I mean, I, getting all those questions about, uh, you know, the season's going down the tubes. Maybe they should sit Carson Wentz and not get to that playtime condition on the trade. And so they don't have to give up the first round pick. And I kept telling people like, come on, man, like, give me a break. Why are we having this conversation? Right. Do you guys I, even may- know Chris Ballard? Like, there's not a chance that's happening. But like even if even if he were inclined to even consider it, which I don't think he is, but even if he were inclined to consider it, like, are you people crazy? Like, <laughs> it's six weeks into a seventeen game season, and they're in the AFC South. Like, what are we talking about here, right? So, yeah, I mean, come on. So my point is, like, stick with it, and we'll see. We'll see where this goes. You know, we'll see where this goes. I think they've got a shot to to be a relevant team down the stretch. They've got San Francisco on the docket next week. They're going to see the Titans again. They have a chance to be a relevant team. And it's really going to be up to them to decide you know, whether they can consistently be a team that performs in a manner that's going to keep them relevant. So I would say I want to, I want to start, you already kind of hit on this, but I want to start in terms of digging into specifics on the big plays. And not because they had a bunch of big plays yesterday, but I think you have to you have to be honest. If you're being honest, you would say we saw this even last week. We, we saw, saw this, this the second Baltimore. day of training camp. Did we That's not? That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> and then I we mean, didn't like, see it for three weeks. But like you were expecting this, right? I mean, what, this is what they thought Carson Wentz would give them. They thought they would have some Andrew Luck ingredients to the offense. I I don't think that's too strong. I think that's what yeah. you're seeing. Um, yeah, and I think I mean, if you've been listening what you to this expecting? podcast, you've been listening to us talk about this. We've been talking mm-hmm. about this for a while. And you know, as soon as the Carson Wentz trade went down back in March, you know, I reached out to people, and, and they they were pumped inside the building about this this exactly this this ability to push the ball down the field. Now, you wrote in your story, you know, those 13 play touchdown drives are great. But we asked Frank about it yesterday and he was basically like, look, if I have the option between a long drive and a a big pass, I'm going big pass every time. That's what they want to do. That's what Frank said on day one when he got here. He said, I want to make defenses uncomfortable and push the ball down the field. And you got to have the right quarterback to do it. They didn't have that in 19. In Rivers, you know, the chunk play for Rivers was really 15 to 20 yards. So. 
Um, they weren't able to really, really push it down the field like they wanted to. Paris Campbell yesterday for a 51-yard touchdown. T.Y. Hilton, welcome back, 52-yard catch. That's exactly what they signed up for with Carson Wentz, and it took a little while. There were the protection issues early, right? They didn't have anything good on the other tackle spots. And then with Wentz's ankles, you just couldn't dial those plays up. So it took a little while, but I think everyone out there would agree, like, this is fun football to watch when they're taking shots, and it's been a while around here. Look, it's very hard to be patient, right? When when a team that you are a fan of doesn't, look like you expected it to look. I understand that. And yeah, I mean, you should, you should have expectations, especially when, when the team's telling you they're going to be good. But at the same time, I I think if you're being honest with yourself, I mean, with all of the ridiculousness that we saw early this season, I mean, you, you were not watching the Colts offense. You're still not really in some respects. I mean, like freaking Quentin Nelson's not out there. Right. And so, and T.Y. Hilton just played his first game. I mean, this is, you're only now starting to see the team, the the offense that that you were supposed to see from day one. So the idea that that it didn't look the way it was supposed to look and the way you expected it to look, no kidding. <laughs> it's like no joke, right? Of course it didn't, and it's not an excuse because the games count. I, I understand that. I, it's just a it's just a rationale. It's just an explanation. It's it's reality. Look, Carson Wentz. If you're Frank Reich, think about your playbook. Uh, a few weeks ago versus now, okay? You had terrible protection, right? You couldn't really even hold the ball to throw it down the field because you couldn't trust the protection. You had a quarterback with two sprained ankles, not one, but two. Like, who's ever even heard of that, right? And then you had, you know, this inability to run the ball consistently, which was also, I think, attributable to the offensive line and its struggles. So, I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about now... Three weeks later, a completely different situation. If you're Frank Reich, who, you know, look, I've I've gotten a lot of comments about his play calling and, and criticism of him. And and I think a lot of that was fair, but at the same time, like, again, take it all into consideration. Like, what was he working with? Not very much. And now, last week, this week, you can see the playbook expanding and the aggressiveness getting more and more. And growing from week to week. And I think that is them getting back to the playbook and the approach on offense that they always intended to have. But look, this was going to take time. Carson Wentz, you know, look, his injuries have been a factor and they have hurt the Colts. There's no question. But they are what they are. And they they hurt them both in the preseason when he missed all of training camp. And it hurt them in recent weeks when he had the ankle sprain. But again, we are where we are. And when he's healthy and when the supporting cast is playing as expected, you're going to get a different version of Frank Reich in terms of play calling. And I think you're seeing it now. It, you know, it's amazing how different the comments are when 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 the coach can actually jump into his playbook in full. Right. I mean, now he's a genius. No, he's not a genius because they're still not convinced because it's the Texans. But I'm just saying, like, there are variables that matter. And we got to take all of that into consideration. So I, I actually think the fact that it's the Texans, I think, matters, obviously. But I think this is what they're going to be. I think they're going to be an aggressive team. We saw it in 2018. at We saw, like, the height of Andrew Luck, I thought, in 2018. And that was not an accident. That was them gaining confidence and comfort in the scheme. 
and with the supporting cast, and they went for it, man. They went for it, and and the results were really good. So, and I and, think and Wentz might even have a better arm than Luck. And I know we're you know it's 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 negligible the difference, but right, the guy can launch it. And, and every receiver you talk to, like Ty yesterday, was like, man, when Carson throws it, you got to go get it. And even Pittman back in May was like, yeah, man, I had to run as hard as I could to catch his deep balls. I mean, it's not an accident that multiple receivers have been like, this guy can launch it down the field. And remember last year with Rivers, and I know they're very different quarterbacks, but Rivers had an entire preseason with this team. He didn't have preseason games, but he didn't miss a practice. And it took him five or six games to really get rolling. And it's taken Wentz the same for different reasons, right? He had the foot injury that missed missed time in training camp. He had the ankles early in the season, played through it. Hasn't missed more than five snaps at the end of the L.A. game. Uh, but he's starting to find his groove. And I always thought he would get it about mid-October, early November. He would start to feel comfortable in this offense. And he is. And are there any questions about whether this guy can get it done right now? I think he's hmm. pretty much put those to bed. I mean, as well as he's played, the guy's got nine touchdowns and one interception this season, including six touchdowns in the last two games. I mean, this guy is, is really starting to heat up. When the team needs it, because they're two and four, but again, they could be in first place in division in the next three, four weeks. Yeah, you know, I, I think that there was so much attention paid to to the negative qualities of Carson Wentz coming into this, coming after that, last season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That was fine. That was fair. That's my point. However, I think in doing that, people forgot about the other stuff, like the reason this guy was a number two pick in the NFL draft. Frank Reich did not forget that. about those things. What did he say yesterday? He says, this is the guy I knew in Philadelphia. And I, it's hard to argue with it. I don't care who they were playing. Look, the bottom line is, this is the NFL. This guy is throwing 50-yard bombs on a rope. And let me, let's me let talk about the accuracy now, okay? Because these, as I asked him in the press conference, I said, Carson, you know, these are like low percentage throws, but they're like on the freaking money. And of course, he was deferential and he said, oh, you know, I'm just throwing it to the spot and the receivers are just, no, you know, they know are, to go get there. Those but are like, great throws. They're incredible throws, man. Like the one to T.Y., he throws it between two defenders. He's between the two safeties. He hits him for 52 yards. Great job by T.Y. Okay, let me, let me be clear. Like T.Y., Number one, he did go get it, as he said. Hell of a catch. Hell of a catch. Diving catch. But, like, if he throws it a little deeper, then he's going to overthrow him. If he underthrows him, then maybe the safety can undercut T.Y. and play that ball. He throws it dead center between the two defenders. It's exactly where it needed to be. Do not underestimate, like, the... The difficulty, the the degree of difficulty on throws like that, in terms of the accuracy, everyone could throw them. They've been waiting for that for two and a half years, right? That's I mean, true. They, this this town got used to the big ball, and and I'll share this little story about early in training camp. So Wentz has a rough first day, right? Everyone remembers he was inaccurate. He was too amped up. He said he lit it up on day two before he got his foot injured, and you know, talking to Chris Ballard the next day, like you know trying to find out some info about the foot, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, look, nothing's going to put me in a bad mood today. Did you see him yesterday on the practice field? Yeah. He's like, I was giddy walking off the practice field, and I'm giddy today. And that's because of what Carson did. I think there was a play where he rolled out to his left, threw against his body 50 yards down the field. It was exactly what he was doing yesterday in the game. The Colts knew this was always in there. It just, you know, injuries to him and to other players, the line, they couldn't get there. Yet, and I think T.Y. coming back helped. 
But um, this is what it's supposed to look like, and this is what they knew they were getting when they traded for him. Yeah, and I, and I think Frank Reich made a good point yesterday. He said, look, he is hitting the big balls, as you said, or as you call them, but he's also doing it pretty efficiently. Like his completion percentage, eh, you know, nothing special. But I, I thought he's not throwing balls that are uh, – what's this inter- What's this uh, metric that I see nowadays? I think it's like um, – interceptable balls or something like that. I'm yeah. not phrasing it properly, right. but like it's a thing, right? I think we all know it when we see it, right? And there's not a lot of those. You know what I'm talking about. When you see it, you know like, ooh, he got away with one there. And you're not seeing that, right? They're not seeing those passes where you're like, ooh, Carson, got to be better than that. I'm not seeing that at all. And that tells me that he has found a balance here. You know, this guy has never been a big interception guy until last year. That's the thing that I think there's so much, there, there was so much uh, angst about how he played in 2020 and absolutely justifiably so. But again, if you look at his career, while he had some, some ups and downs in, in 18 and 19, like at the same time, this is not that guy last year. Like no one had ever seen that guy before. That guy had never shown up in five years. So that's the outlier for me. It's clearly the outlier, right? I mean, he is. This is the guy he's been. Even when he played sort of eh in the previous couple of years, he still wasn't a big interception guy. His completion percentage was acceptable. It wasn't great, but neither was Andrew Lux. That's just kind of they're big arm guys. They're going to throw down the field. Those are less. Those are lower percentage plays. Andrew Luck's completion percentage was like incredibly average over the course of his career. Never very good. And you guys would take him back like tomorrow, right? If he were ready to roll. So I don't think that's what it's about. It's all, it's about, because I think the, like last year, look at Phillip Rivers, right? Really high completion percentage. But what did you lose? You lost that big play ability, right? Why did T.Y. Hilton have sort of an average year last year? That's why. Because they weren't throwing the ball down the field. So, it's unfortunate, really, that T.Y. is only now coming back because, I mean, had he played wire to wire with a healthy Carson Wentz and, and if T.Y. himself were healthy, I mean, yeah. this is you're looking at a thousand yard be. season yeah, right. at 32 years old almost. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's let's sort of uh, spin this forward with Ty because I thought you know last week we had a lot of conversations among ourselves in the media <laughs> like all right is he really going to play this week and you know I figured I don't know I was somewhere torn in between but like 
after I heard T.Y. talk about, you know, well, you know, I almost retired and, you know, it's up to the doctors. I don't really know. I'm not going to rush it. I was kind of on the fence. But then Friday seemed pretty clear by Friday that he yeah. was going to play. Uh, I just think let me ask you this first before we get into like the real specific football stuff with T.Y. We were talking about this in the press box. T.Y. definitely thinks that he has a lot of impact on the emotional uh, sort of giving this team an emotional boost, I guess. Yes, and he does. I don't, I don't think that's like just talk. I think there's something real to that. Your thoughts? Frank Reich's been in this league for 30 years as a player for 14, as a coach for a long time. And he said the speech that T.Y. gave on, on Saturday after walkthrough was one of the most emotional and one of the best speeches he's ever heard. And you know, without going this into specifics, which none of the players and coaches really would do, we can gather what the sense of it was, right? Mm-hmm. It was how much this game means to him and what it means to him now that he was considering walking away, you know, two months ago. And that got them going. And Darius Leonard said, you know, look, this game was for T.Y. This game wasn't about the Texans. It was about T.Y. And Bobby Okariki told me, like, that's a guy you want to go to war with. And, and this guy matters. Like, T.Y. Hilton matters. And and he's the longest tenured Colt. And as Jonathan Taylor said, like, he learned from the greats. He learned from Reggie Wayne. And then JT added this. And he is a great. Like, he's a, he's a Ring of Honor guy. Hmm. He matters. And, and we've talked about this on this podcast before. But he has grown up into a great leader on this team that we really didn't see five or six years ago. And and he absolutely his presence, and I and I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. They they didn't miss just his production; they missed his presence. And you saw it Sunday. The minute he ran out of the tunnel, there's a lot of salvation we've heard for any player this season. There was no way they were going to lose this game. They threw to him on their first offensive snap, 12 yards. They got him for the 50-yard chunk play in the first half. Um, he matters in every way for this team. He's the emotional heartbeat of that offense. A lot of the ways that Darius Leonard is the emotional heartbeat of the defense. So. Man, you just hope the quad's nothing serious. T.Y. assured us yesterday that it is nothing serious. They need him on the field. And I know he's not going to produce like he did in 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. But he matters. He matters in a lot of ways, both tangible and intangible. And and he he does a lot of the things that, that none of the other guys do. And I think him with Pittman and then the other receiving threat, which has really become Taylor in a lot of ways, and Hines yep. and Moali Cox, um, he really makes the offense whole. We, we'll see what Paris Campbell's status is later today, but um, T.Y. makes this offense whole, and he really makes this team whole. I don't think there's a more respected player in that locker room right now. You know, he he is, I think, even a greater a, a greater version of what Darius Leonard is on defense. But with and what I mean by that is like Darius clearly is like the the heart and soul of the defense, right? And yeah. and guys respond to him. They are. They're clearly not the same team when Darius is is not out there, or same defense, excuse me, when Darius is not out there. And even when he's sort of uh, limited, like he was the first few weeks of the season, you could tell like there was a little bit of a lack of energy on defense, I think. I think it was directly related to, to Darius's condition. And now that he's getting confident, what do you see? You're seeing a little more pulse on defense. They're playing faster. They got some life now. And so T.Y. does that, except he does it for the whole team. He gives the whole team that. And and I, I think sometimes we overstate these things and we make guys a bigger deal than they are. I don't I think in this case you're absolutely right. I don't think we're overstating it. Uh there's nobody on that roster they respond to more than T. Y. Hilton. And and I think a lot of it has to do with 
the swagger and the confidence that he brings. And, you know, maybe not everybody loves that. But here's the thing. This is football. You need that. Yeah. And somebody has to bring that. And, you know, talk about juice. And Andrew Luck, as great as he was, when Andrew was here, like, they responded to Andrew for different reasons. It wasn't about swagger. It was just more of a confidence. Like, this guy's so good. Like, he can carry us. And, like, that just made you feel invincible. And in this respect with T.Y., it's a little different. It's more about he exudes the confidence. So it's outward. It was, with Andrew Luck, it was more inward and you just followed him, right? T.Y., it's the same there. That exists as well. But he also exudes it. And he'll tell you, like, we're a different team when I'm on the field. Like, imagine Andrew Luck ever saying that, right? He never <laughs> no, <laughs> so, T.Y. has no problem saying that. Right. In fact, no, he doesn't just say we're a different team when I'm on the field. He says when 1-3 is out there, we're a different team. So he talks about himself in the third person, which he, he I would pay in, money. He showed up in the 4-5 yesterday, the MJ jersey. I and love we it. Had to, I mean, I wish everybody out there listening could have heard <laughs> the conversation we have with Bob Kravitz trying to explain to him the Jay-Z lyrics from Encore. Like, it was... It was priceless, 1% better podcast material. You know, exactly. Bob is so old. He's so old. I think my tweet said something like, Bob hasn't listened to new music since 1986. And and I might be being generous there. So, yeah, it was really funny. But but I, I'm going to tell... So now you're right in my wheelhouse now, okay? So, like, because I'm, like, the biggest Jay-Z fan. So, like, here's the thing. The whole song, like, I listened to it on my way home last night because I was, like, in the mood. <laughs> so, so like, here's the thing. The whole song, I listened to the words, like, intently for the first time in years. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, T.Y. really thought this through. <laughs> T.Y. is like, playing chess. We're all playing checkers. Dude, he really is. I was like, dude, the whole song was literally applicable. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's it, the, the lyric he quoted was like, you know, like Jordan with the four or five, you know, it's not to play games with you, you know, and, and it wasn't just that though. Like if you listen to the whole song, the whole thing is about like, I'm here for one last go around and I'm going to like kill you sons of bitches basically. Mm-hmm. That was, Cause that's yep. what Jay-Z was saying that that whole right. album was supposed to be his farewell. Annihilate, annihilate you. Right. Yes. Right. So basically the whole album was like, I'm going to drop a bomb on you with this album and you're never going to forget me. And, I don't know if T.Y.'s telling us like he's gone. I think maybe he might be, but yeah. I'm wondering now. Could like be. you say, he's playing this chess. This could be. His I don't know, court. man. This might be, and I think I think the fans should two things. Number one, you should really appreciate what you have in T.Y. Hilton. This guy is special, no question about it. And and also recognize the fact that he is going to have a lot to say about their potential success this year. And I think getting him back. Is a game changer. I really do. And especially where Michael Pittman was kind of quiet yesterday and it didn't hurt him, right? See, yeah. Michael Pittman has had a lot on his shoulders in recent weeks. Now that doesn't have to be the case. And and whatever you get, you know, you can basically, if one guy's on, if the other guy's not, you know, you can still sort of make it work. At least you have another threat out there. That's the bottom line. So, And I think a, a very loud statement was, was just that T.Y. can still play. Like, it's not like he's just yes. out there, you know, taking up space or being, you know, a re- uh, you know, a replica of what he once was. Like the 50-yard catch was a really impressive catch. He still got the speed. Does anybody run the out route better than T.Y. Hilton? I'm sure there's some receivers out there that do it, but I've seen a million of them in his career, and it looked just the same yesterday. I mean, he mm. still got that cutback speed. He's always been very, very good in and out of his breaks. And 
that matters a lot. Like this guy can still play. He can still produce. Look for him to make some plays in the next couple of weeks. He's not going to just be back in name only. He's going to keep making some plays. So that's a huge boost to Wentz. And and really, we haven't talked enough about the like the star that they have on offense now, who's like going to become one of the yes. best players in football really soon. Um, JT is blossoming before our eyes, and we're talking Pro Bowl talent. We're talking, and I'm working on a big story on him, and stay tuned on that, but maybe the best running back they've had since Edron James? Is that too far to go? Uh, I, he is, I think he's the most talented, yes. I mean, he's got a, you know, the longevity and you know, whether you can do it over a period of years is going to be a right. question, but, but yeah. I don't have a lot of worries about that. Yeah, no, but. no, it's true. I mean, he doesn't miss practice. He doesn't miss games. Uh, he is. You know that he's missed one game in his entire life, and it was last year because of COVID. So yeah, he he's never hurt. missed a game due didn't to even have in COVID. his life. In his life. <laughs> That's right. He didn't even have COVID. He just had – he was exposed, right? He was a close contact, and so he, he missed the game, which is fine. But, like, this guy is – I mean, you know, for the most physical position in the game, potentially, you know, at least certainly in terms of, of skill position players, I mean, this guy is very durable. And it's not just that he's, what, like six feet and two – 25 generously i mean i think he's like 230 but anyway it's not just that so i mean obviously he can he can run through you but then once he gets through the contact see you later i mean the ability to accelerate at that size that is just it's fascinating to me like it's you said yesterday he was like yeah I, i don't think i can get much faster and, and I'm buying that. And, and secondly, he made an interesting point about, so yesterday he breaks through the linebacker and he's in the open field and he said it's about maintaining that speed. And I yes. thought that's what he's done. He did it last week with the 76-yard catch and run on the screen pass. And yesterday with the 83-yard run, which is the longest freaking run in Colts history. That's saying something. Think about that. That's that's 60 years of football or more. Um, and, and, and it's what he did. And then when he got caught down there, Pittman was screaming at himself because he didn't make that last block that would have been, you know, would have turned it into a, a 90 yard touchdown or whatever it was. So he's he's a home run waiting to happen and he's changing the game for this offense and he's making life easier for Carson Wentz for one, Frank Reich two. But this guy's going to be fun to watch because I don't see him wearing down. I don't see him slowing down. I think he's just going to keep getting better. And I, I do like that they are finding other ways to get him the ball. You already mentioned this, but there was they they split him out wide. I, I can't remember if he went in motion out of the backfield or if he just lined up there at the outset. But he's lined up out wide. I think there are two receivers on that side. He's he's the furthest guy to the outside, and I can't remember. It may may have been Zach Pascal, but they. They, they, he takes a step back and they throw him a screen. He gets a block and he gets 13 yards. It's literally a wide receiver screen, the kind of thing they would throw to T.Y. And I asked him about this after the game. I was like, well, that's different. He's like, I said, have you ever done that in your life? He's like, never. <laughs> because he was never really a pass-catching running back. Probably not even in high school. I don't know. But certainly not in college. It's no, that's, that's not one really- of the things... I talked to Scotty Montgomery, the running back coach, and he said, mm-hmm. like, look, that was a huge focus in training camp this year yep. was to elevate him in the pass catching game. And you're seeing him being used in ways that we've never seen him used before. And he's probably like you said, why would you ever throw in the ball at Wisconsin? You just give him the ball 20 times right. on handoffs. So the more he can do, the more it's going to scare defenses. So think about this. And when you really think about it in, in these terms, what we're really saying is 
he's got more room to grow and to get better and improve and add to his game. I mean, I get that they're going to throw a lot of balls to Naheem Hines, so there's only so many touches that he's going to get in the passing game. But, like, what if he does blossom as a receiver, you know? I mean, he had a little bit of a drop yesterday. Didn't love that. But I think he was just a little too anxious and and tried to run before he caught it. But I, I think you probably have to expect that from a guy who's not – doesn't have a long history of catching the ball. But it's worth it, though, because what if he catches it and he gets a crease, <laughs> you know? I mean, what he said to me was – he's like, yeah, it's totally different. You're getting the ball in space. So a lot of the work's already done. If you make the catch and and it's in a good spot and you got a couple blockers, the work's done. You know, cuz we know what he can do after that point. So you saw it last week in Baltimore, you know, and that really didn't take a whole lot of a whole lot of effort from the other guys. It was just right place, right time, quarterback saw it and JT did the rest. So I mean, that's a weapon right there. That is a weapon and I'll use that as a segue to talk about another weapon on the other side of the ball, Darius freaking Leonard. This guy, okay, first of all, he is not healthy, okay? Not healthy. Everybody knows that. And we know that, Zach, because what is he doing? He's going home and doing what? Tell me, you had a long conversation with him. This is fascinating. Yeah, man. Um, He's in the hyperbaric chamber every night. So what Darius does is he's got two little girls like me. So he comes home from work and he spends about an hour with them. And then when they go to bed, he goes down to the hyperbaric chamber. And what he does is he lays in the chamber and you got it's super, super, super cold. And he lays in there and he props his iPad on the outside of a little window that's like as big as a computer screen. And he presses play. And on that, the Colts have loaded every offensive play from that week's opponent. So this week will be the San Fran. Last week it would have been Houston. He just sits there and he freezes his ass off in the hyperbaric chamber, which is helping his ankle heal. And he watches the offense play and he and he tries to take notes and he tries to take mental reps of, of seeing what he sees. But um, we all know his ankle's not 100 percent. You know, you, you, you've seen the interception, right? Is he moving as fast as usual after he makes that no. catch? No, no way. Like everybody knows that this is a guy whose game is built on speed. But um, the, the Texans got a little chippy with him yesterday before the game. They called him out. <laughs> They called out his yearly salary, and you know, as as um, as Bobby Okariki told me later Sunday afternoon, he said, "Look, Darius is a guy you don't want to talk trash to because he's going to take that shit personally." <laughs> and he did. And Darius had a forced fumble. He had an interception. He had a pass defense. And after every big play, he ran straight over to the Texan sideline and said, "What's up now?" Essentially. So, <laughs> if you're going to piss a guy off, he's not the guy you want to piss off. Okay, like, can we just talk about this for one second? Like, what kind of idiot is in the world and, like, aware of your surroundings, even the slightest bit, okay? If you've ever been on social media and you've ever had any interaction with Darius Leonard, don't you have to know the kind of guy he is? (laughs) Like, I know. I've never been on a field with Darius Leonard, okay? And I know that would be the worst thing in the world to do. Because he gets pissed at me for stupid tweets that are completely accurate. It's like <laughs> okay? it's like uh, uh, BJ Armstrong talking smack to Michael Jordan in, in right. the last dance. It's like, what are you doing pricking the bear, man? Like, are you that dumb? You're on the one in four Texans, and you're going to yep. talk smack to this dude? It's actually it's it's actually worse. It's like it is. But here's another example from the last dance. It's like the Jazz, like going him going to the Jazz practice at the United Center the day before their game, and talking to 
Stockton and Malone and this rookie in the back talking smack. Like, man, you ain't going to dunk on me. <laughs> he's like, hey, man. Hey, Carl, you better get your boy over here. <laughs> and it's like, right. and of course, what happened the next night? He became this guy's worst nightmare. <laughs> like, what are you doing? So that's basically what it was. I'm not exaggerating. That's what this. That's what those guys did. And I love it, though, because, you know, he's he's predictable. He's entirely predictable. You know what you're going to get. And that's why he looks for that fuel. You know, we've all talked about it for years since he's been here. It's not a it's it's not an exaggeration. He really is driven by this stuff. But I think in all seriousness, he is beginning to really I, I think set himself apart and show and demonstrate why they paid him what they paid him. Because even though he can't be himself right now, he's not a hundred percent, he probably won't be this year. All right. They got yeah. a late bye week. He's not gonna get a lot of rest. He he told me he is getting better though. He's starting to feel okay. better. Which is which you can is good, see it. Which is improving. Yeah. yeah. You can see some improvement. But even so, like it's gonna be a long time before he's hundred percent, right? But even in spite of that, I mean, I think these last two games have been great examples of just just how much of a presence this guy is. He's always, always, always around the football. Look, is he the best coverage linebacker in the league? No. Does he make mistakes? Yes. Does he over pursue? Absolutely. He does a lot of things that are like imperfect. Darius Leonard is not a perfect, perfect football player. He's not really, you know, disciplined all the time. All those things are true. But damn it, when you need a play and this guy goes and gets the football, what else matters? I mean, I'm just telling, I mean, that is, it's special. That is special. This guy is different. So I, I don't know. I think, you know, it's a little bit like TY. Like you, you kind of had to be there. You have to understand what this guy means and and his ability to sense when the team needs a play that is just different man just different yeah so we all know Darius Leonard you know he's going to take bad ankles bad angles he's going to miss tackles we know those things happen we know the flaws in his game this season he's talked about it we've seen it but the but the ability to make takeaways is is vital in this defense they're going to give up yards they're going to give up completions they're going to give up first downs they didn't give up any touchdowns yesterday, which was a big thing for him after the, the Texans talked all that smack. But, you know, talking to Chris Ballard, he, he's mentioned Charles Tillman before. That's a guy he loves. He drafted him in Chicago. He scouted him. His ability to poke the football loose, right? I looked up the numbers yesterday, and they're insane. Tillman averaged a forced fumble every 3.8 games he played. 44 in his career. That's absurd in a league where takeaways are so huge. Darius is averaging one every four games. I mean, he's got 11 already in his career. He had the great one against the Seahawks early in the season in the opener, and he had the one yesterday. And and, and you heard from him on Friday when he was like, yeah, man, someone's walking down the hall with a football. I'm poking that thing loose. Like he's kind of joking, but maybe not. Um, this is this is a rare ability. And, and Ballard texted Peanut Tillman a couple years ago and said, hey, we drafted the, the linebacker version of you. Now, they're different players and, and they play different games, but that ability to take the ball away with those punches is is a very rare ability, and it's very valuable for this defense right now, which is, let's be honest, it's flawed, and it's not playing particularly great outside of yesterday, but I don't want to give them too much credit because it was Davis Mills. But but that is a big play ability that, that Leonard has that, that really can change games, and, and it's not an accident when he does it. He practices this. And he's done it so consistently since he's gotten here. Yep, that's right. Um, the, the Colts, by the way, they have 12 turnovers 
uh, already for the season. They're I think they're they're definitely top five in the NFL. I, I don't remember the exact rank, but that's that they have to have that. That is really one of the things they said is non-negotiable in this defense, and I think that's it's definitely true. I mean, yes. they are going to give up yards, and they are a zone-based defense, so they they will get you will get some completions against them and all that. But I think if you take the ball away, what you end up with is a game like yesterday where. The yards they don't matter because you had three takeaways. So that's kind of that's kind of the blueprint. Not perfectly, you know, they're missing the pass rush and they got some other elements that are missing. But if you take the ball away, it does cover up a lot of that other stuff. So so hopefully that's something that they have kind of found that they can do consistently. It is a hard thing to do on a regular basis because if you play teams that are that have good ball security, it is harder. But but they're definitely a team that 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 opponents are going to be aware of when it comes to taking the ball away. So we'll wrap this up now. Uh, the one thing I want to leave you with is this. Looking at the AFC, do you know that there are one, two, three, four, five? There are only six teams in the AFC with an actual winning record right now. It's crazy. And, you know, there's tons of three and three teams, you know, a couple two and four teams like the Colts. Uh, this thing ain't over. And, all I ask is that they make this thing interesting. <laughs> so, right. I mean, hey. we suffered through those first few games. They owe us that, right? Make this I, thing they're interesting. They're getting better. I think they you are. can say that objectively. They're getting better. I want to give a shout-out here to two players who won't get a lot of pub today, but I watched a little bit of the tape this morning. Chris Reed deserves a lot of credit, man. He here, stepped here. in really well for, for Quentin Nelson. And, I, I, I mean, Matt Pryor. Like at yes. right tackle yesterday was really good. They have been a different team since Matt Pryor took over for Julian Davenport. That's the reality. And it's really tough to find backup linemen who can come in and play. But it's it, it, JT will be the first to tell you, like, those guys are making making holes for me. And they're doing a good job, especially Pryor on the pass pro. Now, he's been able to, to, to block for several seconds to give Carson time to give T.Y. time to get open, to give Paris time. Those guys deserve a shout-out because this team isn't right unless that offensive line is doing its job, and, and and they've done a much better job the last couple of weeks. Carson is not running for his life like he was. Yeah, there's no question. If you're paying attention, you see it. You know that there's been a difference in this offensive line's performance, and I, I think that is really where it all starts, all of it. None of, none of these plays down the field happen, and none of these Jonathan Taylor runs happen. None of this stuff is possible without those guys giving them uh, the opportunity to to get the ball down the field and, and to execute these plays. So that's where it all starts. And it also it, it impacts, as I said earlier, Frank Reich's play calling ability. So everything tracks back to that offensive line, at least on the offensive side. It, it all tracks back to that offensive line. And I agree. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because those guys, they're getting it done. And they're about to get two really elite guys back pretty soon. So <laughs> it can only get better. So I have a feeling Quentin's back out there Sunday night. That's just my gut I feeling. So. I don't know about Braden. I'm going to be the last guy to predict he's back just because it's been such a weird injury. Yeah. But I thought he was going to be back three weeks ago. Yeah, so uh, that matters too. It, big yeah. one Sunday night, but it's going to be fun. I think this is a game. I think this is a game you can go in there and win the way you're playing. I agree. All right, so that's the story, and you know we'll see what these Colts are made of. Uh, they've got an opportunity, but uh, they got to be dialed in, and they got to make it happen. So it's up to them. But we're starting to see the team they intended to be, and you know we'll have to see how far that team can go. So I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening. This is 1% Better.